You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. How many of you have some goals for this new year? Anybody, you got some goals for this new year? I'm not so big on New Year's resolutions because I think New Year's resolutions are meant to be broken, but I think it's good to have some goals for the new year. But let me just encourage you. I want to kind of help you kind of come at this from a different angle that may help you find some new inspiration, some new motivation. Instead of just thinking about what you want to achieve for this new year ahead, maybe it's helpful to think about what do you regret from last year? Anybody have some regrets about last year? Let me ask you this question. This is, this is a good question to ask yourself. What do you not want to regret again this year? Think about that. That's kind of powerful. You don't want to get to the end of this year and say, it's another year that I neglected my health and taking care of my body. It's another, another year that I didn't pursue that, that graduate degree that I've been dreaming of or that new career path. Or it's another year that I didn't study as hard as I should have studied for you students. Or it's another year that I didn't spend as much time with my kids as I wanted to. Like, like what are your regrets? See, our regrets are, are powerful. If you take some time to meditate on that, they're powerful because acknowledging our regrets helps us make better decisions because how many of you know behind most of our regrets is a decision that we made? And so we're in this new series. We're in week two of a new series we started last week called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And the inspiration for this series comes from a book that Pastor Andy Stanley wrote called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And it's learning to to ask some questions that can lead to us making better decisions so we live with fewer regrets. How many of you know that better questions can can lead to, to better decisions? When you ask better questions, it leads to better decisions. So last Sunday, we looked at the integrity question, what we call the integrity question. And here's the question. Am I being honest with myself, really? Am I being honest with myself, really? If you missed that message, you can go back and listen to it on YouTube or on our podcast. Today, we want to tackle what's called the legacy question. And here's, here's the question. Which story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Now, most of us don't normally think of our lives in terms of a story, but the truth is we're all telling a story with our lives. Think about this. When you meet someone, what do you naturally find yourself doing? You begin to tell your story, don't you? As you're getting to know someone, you, you might tell them about where you grew up and, and maybe where you went to college and maybe about your first job or how you ended up living where you're living or doing whatever it is you're doing now. We naturally tell a story, don't we? We're writing a story that is our lives. And when we think about our stories, I think there are different chapters in different seasons. There are some chapters that we're proud of, the stories we love to tell, stories of our achievements, Stories of falling in love, stories of a season in our lives where, where things were, were going really well. Then we have the parts of our lives that we're not so proud of, but they're kind of funny. So we tell those stories anyway, like, oh man, there was this one time I was in college. How many of you have stories like that? We tell those stories because they're kind of funny, but I think there are also the parts that we'd rather leave untold, aren't there? We all have parts of our lives that we would rather not even talk about. We just kind of leave them untold. There are parts of our, our lives that we wish we could erase altogether. Maybe it's a decision that we made that we're ashamed of. Maybe it's a, a relationship that we regret. Maybe it's some season of our lives that we wish we could go back and change. Anybody wish you could have a do-over sometimes? I wish I could go back and some of y'all, you would do, you'd have a do-over for a whole season of your life, you know? 
I wish I could change that whole thing. There, there's, there are parts of our story that are like that. Now, in this series, we're talking about our decisions. And so here's what I want us to think about today. In many ways, we write the story of our lives one decision at a time. This is kind of the big idea for today. In many ways, we write the story of our lives one decision at a time. Our life story is simply an accumulation of the decisions that we have made over a lifetime that we make every day. And I believe most of us here today, we want to tell a good story with our lives. Anybody with me? Like you want to be able to tell a good story with your life. You want to be able to say that you loved the people around you, that you pursued your dreams and your goals. If you're a follower of Jesus, that you honored God with your life, that you lived with integrity. Like one day when you get to the end of your life, you want to be able to look back and be able to tell a good story, a good story. And so I think one of the challenges that we face is that we often don't tend to think in terms of of a life story, especially in the context of making decisions, sometimes even big decisions. We, we, we tend to, to not think about that when we're in, in the moment. It's so easy to forget in our day-to-day lives that our stories are written one decision at a time. See, in the, middle, in the midst of a decision-making time, we tend to think about our options instead of our stories, especially when it's an emotionally charged situation especially when, when, when things are not so clear, especially when there's a, a timeline, when there's a deadline, we tend to think more about options and less about our life story. And that's why I love this powerful verse, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. This is actually a Psalm of Moses. He said this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh, there's something so powerful there because here's what Moses is telling us. He says, when we reflect on our lives, when we reflect on the fact that our lives are short, that our lives are going by quickly, it causes us to live with perspective. Teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may live with a heart of wisdom. Did you know that whole seasons of your life are gonna be reduced down to one story you tell? Whole seasons of your life. I grew up here. I went to college here. I started my first job here. I made this decision. I went there. I went through this divorce, whatever. Like whole seasons of your life often come down to a story that you tell. And when you begin to live with that kind of perspective of how short life is, you begin to have a heart of wisdom, a heart of wisdom. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at an episode in the life of one of my favorite Bible characters in the Old Testament, Joseph as in Joseph, who was the son of the great patriarch Jacob. His story is told in the book of Genesis, and and he has one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. And what we're going to see is that he was someone who had a heart of wisdom. He was someone who who lived this psalm out. He, He lived with perspective. He had a heart of wisdom that caused him to make decisions that were wise, God honoring decisions. And he had a good story to tell. He told a good story with his life. And that's why we're still reading his story to this day. That's why we're still reading his story and finding inspiration. Here's the amazing thing. He didn't realize that his story was gonna be written down one day, but he lived a good story. And so thousands of years later, his story is still bringing inspiration to our lives. And so for the sake of time today, I have to summarize some of Joseph's story for you. So let me do that. So Joseph was one of the 12 sons of the great patriarch Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, whose name was later changed to Israel. And he was the favorite son of Jacob's favorite wife. Now, a little marriage advice here, guys. It's best to not have a favorite wife. I'm just saying, I don't have time to explain all that. Hashtag Old Testament problems, okay? 
but it's best to not have a favorite wife. <laughs> one wife, is, one wife is, is enough for most of us, okay? Happy wife, happy life. And so he was the favorite son of, of Jacob's favorite wife. And, and this is Joseph who had the coat of many colors. This is popular even in our uh, culture. There's a whole Broadway show about this, right? Joseph and the technique, colored color, whatever, coat, whatever it is. And so he was the favorite. This is Joseph who had dreams about his brothers bowing down to him. And he began to share these dreams with his, his brothers. And by the way, there are some dreams that God gives you that you can keep to yourself. You should just keep those to yourself until the right time. And so they begin to despise Joseph. And, and, and at one point in time, uh, Jacob sent his son Joseph to go out to the fields to visit his brothers who were tending the flocks because they were shepherds. And when he came, it said, his brother saw him and said, here comes the dreamer. And they said, let's, let's kill him. Okay, we've had enough of this guy. So they decided to kill him. But thankfully, Reuben, the oldest brother, his, his wisdom prevailed. How many of you know we always need a, a Reuben in our lives? The wisdom to prevail in the midst of like an emotionally charged situation. Look for the Reubens. Reuben said, let's not kill him. Let's just, let's instead throw him in the bottom of this well. So they put him in this dry well because Reuben was trying to buy some time so he could rescue Joseph and get him safely returned back to his father. Well, before Reuben could do that, his brothers came up with plan B and some traders were passing through and they decided to sell Joseph. Joseph to these traders who in turn sold him into slavery in Egypt. So here's Jacob. I mean, here's Joseph who's done nothing wrong except maybe share some dreams with his brothers that he should have kept to himself, dreams that would later come to pass. And he ends up being sold into slavery in Egypt. And that's where we find him, where we're going to pick up the story. And so Joseph ends up working in the home of an Egyptian official named Potiphar, and the first decision he's faced with is what kind of slave is he going to be? What kind of story is he going to tell in, in this season? Is he going to be a runaway slave? As so many slaves, that's one of the options they exercise, just try to run away. Is he going to do the bare minimum and just try to survive? That's what most slaves do. Or is he going to make the most out of a difficult situation and do his best to honor God in the midst of this situation. Like what kind of story does he want to tell? He could have just succumbed to bitterness and despair, but Joseph decides in the midst of all of his, his, his circumstances and the injustice done to him that he is going to tell a good story. And so he pours himself into his work. He's diligent and God blesses his work. God blesses the work of his hands. Here's what it says in Genesis 39 verse 5. It says, from the time he put him, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Joseph applies himself. He's diligent and God blesses him. God blesses everything he puts his hands to. And Potiphar ends up putting him in charge of his whole household, all of his affairs. God's hand was upon him. And we begin to see God redeeming his story. Instead of just giving up, instead of succumbing to despair, Joseph decides that he's going to honor God. He's going to do his best. And God begins to, to redeem his story. But soon, Joseph is faced with another dilemma, not in the form of Potiphar, but in the form of Potiphar's wife. Look at this, verses six through seven. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Come on, he was a Jewish stud. In verse seven, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. See, if you thought the Bible was boring, it's just because you've never read it. 50 shades of gray, whatever. Come on, there's some crazy stuff in the Bible. You need to read your Bible. 
The juicy stuff is not all just on Netflix. There's some good stuff in there. So she starts trying to seduce him, right? She comes after him and Joseph is faced with a, a decision. In fact, it's a lose-lose decision because he could have been put to death either way. If he decides to have an affair with his master's wife and his master finds out, he could certainly be killed. But also he could be, he could be killed for refusing his master's wife because she could manipulate a way for that to happen because he is a slave and he has no rights. He's a slave. And I would imagine that Joseph had could have accepted the invitation and, and justified it in his mind. He could have said, hey, you know, I, I didn't put myself in this situation. I didn't choose this. I didn't ask my brothers to sell me here and, and put me into, into slavery. And, and I've just done my best here. It's not my fault that I've won favor, not only with, with Potiphar, but with his, his wife. And if I refuse, she's only going to cause me more trouble. And I can't help the fact that I'm well-built and handsome. It's right here in scripture. Hello. He could have justified it. He could have found a lot of reasons to, to justify it. In, in the midst of this emotionally charged situation, Joseph doesn't just consider his options. No, instead, he remembers his story and he remembers his good God. Come on, so many times when we're faced with a, a season of life where we have to make a difficult decision, where there's pressure in emotionally charged situations, sometimes all we do is focus on the options, but that is the time to remember your story. That is the time to remember your good God. What story do you want to tell? Look at this, verses 8 through 10. It says, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Like, hello, wake up, Mrs. Potiphar. He trusts me with everything. The only thing he doesn't let me touch is you because you are his wife. Remember who you are. He's trying to help her make a wise decision. In verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. By the way, the side note here, there's a little, there's a little wisdom here that Joseph didn't even decide to be in her presence. Like he just got away from her. Really important. Now notice that Joseph doesn't say, no, I couldn't do that. You know, if, if Potiphar found out about us, we would both be in trouble. He could kill us both. It would destroy us, us both. No, no, no. He doesn't even go there. He remembers the faithfulness of God in his story. In fact, he begins to recount his story out loud to Potiphar's wife. He says to Potiphar's wife, I came from nothing and my master has put me in charge of everything. How could I sin against, not Potiphar, how could I sin against my good God? Like my brother sold me into slavery. I came here, when I came to your house, I was a nobody. I was nothing, but I worked hard and my God saw me and my God remembered me and my God blessed my life and your husband trusts me with everything. How could I do such a thing? This is so powerful. Come on, sometimes you got to rehearse your story. Sometimes you need, to, you need to tell yourself, you need to remind yourself of your story. You need to pray about your story as you pray to God. Let me ask you this question. How would it affect your decisions if you were a little bit less entitled and a little bit more humble because you remember that God is the one who blessed you with everything you have in the first place? I think so many times we're in a difficult situation, a work situation, a business deal. Somebody hurts us, does us wrong. We feel like entitled to get even or to hit them back. How would it change things if we remember that we're only where we're at because God got us there in the first place? He's the one who opened the door for you. He's the one who gave you that opportunity to get that education. He's the one who put people in your life, resources in your life. It would change things if you were, would remember God is the one who put you there in the first place. 
to live with this sense like, God, everything I have is, is from you. So God, I can hold my life loosely. I can make the right decision. I can choose to honor you and trust you and, and just put the consequences in your hand. I think that would change, change our hearts. I think that would change the way we make so many decisions. Joseph remembered his, his life story and it gave him perspective to make the right decision. And maybe he even thought about the question that we're asking today, the legacy question, and that is, what story do I want to tell? What story do, do I want to tell? Do, do, one day, do I want to sit down with my grandkids and tell them I was faithful to my God and I was faithful to my master despite a difficult situation and I did the right thing and put the consequences in his hands? Or, or do I want to say that I took advantage of a situation and had a fair, an affair with my master's wife? Like, what story do I want to tell? Such a clarifying question. And while I wish I could tell you that everything got easier for Joseph because he, he made the right decision, but, but it didn't. In fact, one day, it tells us that when all the servants were out of the house, Joseph came to the house to tend to his business, and Potiphar's wife came on to him strong. In fact, she grabbed him by his cloak, and he just ran away. Joseph just took off. He just ran away. Look at this, verses 16 through 20. It says, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, because as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me, and he ran out of the house. Side note, I know this is a sermon for another time. But when it comes to sexual temptation, the best option is just run away. Don't sit down with it. Don't negotiate with it. Don't sit on the bed with it and talk it out. Just run away from it. Block it. Delete that contact from your number. Get rid of that app. Just run away. That's a sermon for somebody in the house today. Joseph just ran out of the house. He just got out of there. <laughs> There's some wisdom there. She's spinning a story here, right? She's, she's telling a really good, a really good tale here. She's, and so she said, as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, most likely, he probably didn't believe his wife's story fully, or he would have had Joseph executed, but I think Potiphar had to save face. And so here's Joseph who made the right decision who kept this idea of what story do I want to tell in front of him. He made the God-honoring decision, and he ends up in prison. Now, for the sake of time, I have to summarize things a little bit here. So Joseph ends up in the prison, but the scripture tells us, but God was with Joseph. Come on, that's his story at every turn. God was with him. God's favor was still upon him. His hand was upon Joseph's life. And not long after that, he caught the attention of the prison warden. And the prison warden ended up putting Joseph in charge of everything because once again, he was a trustworthy man and, and his leadership was strong and, and people followed him and he saw the blessing of God, the favor of God on Joseph's life. So he ends up being in charge of the whole prison. And while he's in prison, he meets two of the, of the king, two of Pharaoh's officials who get in trouble with Pharaoh and get thrown into prison, the, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And they both have, have a dream. And Joseph is given the ability of God to interpret dreams. And so he sits there and he hears, he hears their dream and he tells the, the chief cupbearer that he's going to be restored to his position and he's going to serve Pharaoh again. But he has bad news for the, the chief baker. He hears the baker story and he tells the baker that I got bad news for you. Pharaoh is going to hang you. You're going to be executed. <laughs> he probably wish he hadn't asked for an interpretation for his dream. And so everything that Joseph says comes to pass. Fast forward a couple years later and Joseph finds himself standing before 
Pharaoh because Pharaoh has had a dream that none of his magicians, none of his wise men can interpret. But the chief cupbearer remembers this Hebrew slave that he met in prison who had the spirit of God on his life and the ability to interpret dreams. And he says, Pharaoh, you need to go seek out Joseph because Joseph can help you. So Joseph finds himself standing before the most powerful man in the world. And Pharaoh tells him he's had this dream and asks if Joseph can help him interpret the dream. And in a moment of boldness, Joseph essentially says, I don't have the ability to interpret your dream, but my God does. And my God will give you a favorable interpretation. And so Joseph tells him, tells Pharaoh, this is what your dream means. This is what's gonna happen. He says, there's gonna be seven years of plenty in Egypt, an agricultural boom. There's going to be so much grain for making bread, like we're not even going to know what to do with it, but we need to store it up because after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. There's going to be a famine like nobody has ever seen in, in the world. And so Joseph then, in another moment of boldness, tells Pharaoh what he needs to do. He says, you need to find a wise man who can make a plan to steward all of this, this, this bonus, these extra resources, this grain. Find someone who can store away enough grain so that when the famine comes, Egypt will be prepared. There'll be food for people in Egypt. And Pharaoh looks at him and says, well, you are the man for the job because God's hand is upon you. He's given you the ability to interpret dreams. I can't think of anybody else who could be more fit for the job. And so he ends up making Joseph second in command in all of Egypt. He essentially makes him prime minister of Egypt. Joseph goes from the pit to the palace, from being a nobody to being a somebody. It's amazing. And God begin, continues to give him wisdom. And he executes this plan. He stores up grain. The scripture says it became like sand. There was so much grain, like nobody could even, even count it. And sure enough, just as Joseph said, this famine hits. This famine hits like the ancient Near East had never seen before. And not only do the people of Egypt come to Joseph to buy grain, but the nations all around them are coming to Egypt because Egypt is the only place that has grain and, and people needed grain to make bread because bread was a staple of people's diet in the ancient Near East. And guess who comes to buy grain from Joseph? His very own brothers. Jacob tells his sons, go to Egypt and buy grain so we don't starve to death. And so when they come to Egypt, there's Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. He happens to be there as they come into Egypt to buy grain. And he recognizes them, but they don't recognize their little brother because they hadn't seen him since he was like 17 years old, since he was a teenager. And the last thing they expected was for him to be the prime minister of all of Egypt. And so Joseph kind of has them in an interesting situation. Come on, some of y'all would like to have somebody you need to get even with in that situation, would you? What would you do to your brothers if they had sold you into slavery? I got three brothers. I could think of some things I would do, right? Thank God Joseph isn't like us. He remembered yet again his story. What story do I want to tell? A story of retribution, a story of bitterness, a story of bloodshed that I killed my own brothers. In a moment of remembering his story, not just his options, remembering his God, remembering God's hand upon him, remembering that God was with him. He has grace and mercy on his brothers. Now he puts them through a few trials and tests before he has grace and mercy on them. You got to read the story for yourself. It's so great. Go to the book of Genesis and read the story of Joseph. But there's this moment where he has this emotional reunion with his brothers. And man, it always hits me in my heart because I've got brothers and I just read it differently. And he reveals himself to his brothers in Genesis 45, verses four through five. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. 
When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Come on, Joseph said, you meant to do me harm, but God meant it for good. I came to church to encourage somebody today what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good in your life because he's a redemptive God. He said, God sent me ahead of you. You sold me here, but God sent me ahead of you to save your life to save the lives of many people. See, Joseph lived with a heart of wisdom, a heart of wisdom, and he decided to tell a story with his life that was worth telling. And that's why we still read his story to this day. He chose to honor God. He chose to remember God. And Joseph had a story that he could sit down and tell his, his kids and his grandkids one day, right, of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of God's redemptive work in his life. Come on, church, what story do you want to tell? You are writing a story that is your life, one decision at a time. Let's make it a good story. Let's make it a good story. Today, I want to leave you with three takeaways from Joseph's story. You can put these in your notes today. Three takeaways from Joseph's story that I think can help us tell a good story, to choose to choose wisely, to make good decisions, to tell a good story with our lives. Because I think each of these represents a challenge that we face when it comes to telling a good story. So three things that we need to know in order to choose a God-honoring story for our lives. Here's the first one. Number one, you got to know that right decisions don't always lead to easier circumstances. Come on, if we learn anything from Joseph's story, it's that right decisions don't always lead to easier circumstances. Joseph did the right thing with Potiphar's wife, but just because he did the right thing didn't mean his life got easier all of a sudden. And sometimes I think when we decide to do what's right, our stories sometimes get get more difficult. We, we, tend to, we tend to correlate what's right with life getting easier, don't we? If I do the right thing, if I make the right decision, like, oh, certainly life is going to get easier all of a sudden. And when it doesn't get easier, we begin to think that we did something wrong. Now, let me encourage you today. Make no mistake. There is a blessing in living with integrity. We talked about that last week. There, there is the blessing of God on your life. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. I believe if you make wise decisions, if you make God-honoring decisions, if you live a life of integrity, you will be in a much better place than if you don't. You will find like the blessing of God will follow your life, okay? But here's the thing. Jesus did not promise us a trouble-free life. In fact, Jesus warned his disciples the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world, Jesus said, you can expect to have, have some trouble. Let me just tell you, some of my best decisions in life did not lead to easier circumstances. I remember when I quit my, my, my teaching job to go into full-time ministry, things got a little bit harder before they got easier. I remember when I decided to go back to seminary when I was already in full-time ministry. Let me tell you, that decision led to a lot of late nights of staying up really late, late into the night to study. It was the right decision, but it wasn't an easy decision. I remember when God called us to Westchester to plant this church. When we left Western New York, left our family and our friends there, and we came here and didn't know anybody, didn't have any of this. There was no building. There was no, no people. It was the right decision. But let me just tell you, it led to the most difficult season of my life. Sometimes the right decision doesn't always lead to easier circumstances. God, Joseph made the right God-honoring decision, but things got harder before they got better. Here's the second thing we need to know. We're talking about what we need to know to make the, the, the right decision to, to tell a good story that is our life. Number two, just because the season is difficult doesn't mean you're forgotten. 
Come on, somebody needs to know that today. Just because the season is difficult doesn't mean you're forgotten. Look at this, Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 21. This is when Joseph first lands in the prison. It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Come on, somebody read that phrase out loud with me again. It says, the Lord was with him. He showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Come on, God had not forgotten Joseph. God had not abandoned Joseph. Never mistake difficult seasons for abandonment. God has not forgotten you. Don't you think Joseph ever had some moments where he felt like, man, I did the right thing and where did it get me, right? Maybe I should have just exercised the other option and just did my, just had a fling with her anyway. Like what, I did the right thing. What, what, What did I do to end up deserving being here? Like, like, where is God in the midst of all of this? See, Joseph actually spent eight long years in that prison. I'm sure there were times when he wondered if he was ever going to see the light of day again. But here's what we know, that God was still with Joseph. God was still with Joseph. And, and we tend to hear that and say, well, God was with Joseph. Then why didn't that mean that, that nothing bad happened in his life, right? Like, why didn't God keep him from, from all this? Well, here's the thing. Once again, God does not promise us a trouble-free life, but he promises to be with us. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. God hadn't forgotten Joseph and he hadn't forgotten you. Never mistake a difficult season for abandonment. And then here's the third thing we need to know to make some decisions to write a good story with our lives. Number three is this. Remember that your story is still being written. Remember that your story is still being written. See, we have the vantage point of experiencing Joseph's life as as a story. Like we read it and we know it has a happy ending. We know that it has a, a redemptive ending. But here's the thing. Joseph was experiencing it in real time. Joseph was living it and experiencing it in real time. Can I just encourage you today, remember that whatever chapter you're in, it doesn't necessarily determine the ending of your story. Like it's a season, it's a chapter. Maybe some of you don't like the chapter you're in. Maybe some of you don't like the season you're in. Maybe you're in a particularly difficult season of life right now. I just came to church to encourage you today. It's just a chapter. It's not the end of your story. Your story isn't over. Do we really believe that God is a good God? Do we really believe that he's the God who's able to work all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose? Come on, he can use the ugly seasons. He can use the difficult seasons. He's a redemptive God. He's a God of redemption. There's a reason we named the church redemption. Like he's a God who's able to take the broken seasons of our life and redeem it and renew it and recycle it. He can take your adversity and turn it into a ministry, turn it into a story worth telling. And so let me remind you today, church, we write the story of our lives one decision at a time, one decision at a time. Before you make your next big decision in life, whatever decisions you're making, maybe some of you are facing some decisions right now. Hey, let's ask this legacy question. Let's ask ourselves this question. What story do I want to tell? Whole seasons of our lives are going to be boiled down to one story, one story that we tell. The season of your life right now, one day it's just going to be a story that you tell somebody and maybe you've made some mistakes. We all have. Maybe, maybe there's some parts of your story that you wish you could go back and change. Maybe there's some hurtful seasons. Maybe you look back and say, Pastor Jeremy, I wish I could change my story. I wish I could change that decision. I wish I could change that person I hurt. I wish I, had, I could change that, that temptation I gave into, that addiction that I found myself in. I wish I could change that divorce. I wish I could change this or that decision. Can I just encourage you today that God is a redemptive God. He's a God who can even redeem the wrong turns that we've taken. Get this, remember this. Joseph stood before his brothers and he said, you sold me into slavery, but it was God who sent me ahead of you to 
save your life. Come on, if God can redeem even a decision like that, what can He not redeem in our lives? What, re- what brokenness can He not re- redeem in our lives? Come on, God is able to take the area of your life where you failed, where you messed up, where you sinned the worst, and He's able to touch you in that place and bring healing and forgiveness to your life so that that place becomes the, the, the place of strength in your life where you bring glory and honor to God because you have a testimony, a redemptive story. Come on, He's a God of redemption that work in our lives and your story isn't over. Your story isn't finished. Come on, let's hold on to him. Let's trust him. Let's trust him. He's writing the story that is your life. We want to tell a good story. We want to be able to look back one day and say that we remembered our God. We remembered our good God, his faithfulness in our lives, and we made the decisions that reflected that story, that he was at work in our lives, and we honored him and we trusted him with the results. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray into that. As you're standing with me, at the end of the service, our prayer team is going to be available to you to pray for you. And uh, today in particular, maybe there's a decision you're facing and you want prayer. That'd be wonderful. We'd love to come up and pray for you. Maybe some of you, there is a season of hurt, a season of regret, a recent mistake, a mistake in years past that even as you hear a message like this, it just grips your heart because it's like, man, I wish I could go back and change that. And our team would just love to pray over you. Our team would love to just be available to you and just pronounce the goodness of God over your life. Just pray the grace and the mercy and the love and the healing touch of Jesus over your life. But we're going to take a moment to pray right now. Would you just bow your head with me? Just bow your, your head and open your heart to God today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. And God, we thank you that you are with us today. And I pray, Lord, today that you would remind us that you are writing a story that is our lives. And God, we are co-writing that story with you. And we write that story one decision at a time. And so God, we're praying, even as the psalmist prayed, that you would give us a heart of wisdom. Come on, somebody needs to pray that today. God, give me a heart of wisdom. Give me a heart of wisdom, God. Help us to recognize how quickly our lives are going by. And God, we want to tell a good story that honors you. I pray for those who are facing a decision right now, that God, you would give them wisdom that they wouldn't just weigh the options, but they would remember their good God and the good story that you are writing that is their life. And I pray especially for those who are in a difficult season today that they would know their story isn't over. It's just a chapter. It's just a season. God, you're working behind the scenes. You're faithful. Your hand is upon them. You are with them. And I pray especially for those who who have seasons of their life that they wish they could change, seasons that they regret, seasons where, where they feel shame. God, we thank you that you are a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness, a redemptive God. And Father, I know that you can meet them right there in that place. And there is forgiveness and healing in your house today. And we receive it. God, we thank you that you are the God who's working all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.